Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the week seven edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and this is where we gather every week to examine the trade markets in our fantasy football leagues. I will say we were spoiled rotten last week with one of just the biggest, richest, most lucrative, opportunity-rich trade markets for high-end players that I can really imagine. And it really uh, captured a lot of important players across the league. Um, This week, uh, we've still got some very, very interesting uh, players and targets to discuss and figure out what to do with and examine you know, which side of the trade market they are on this week. But um, I don't think there's any way <laughs> um, that it was going to be very likely that this week would stack up to last week. So I don't want to make a habit of this, of going back through the previous week on every episode. Um, I don't think it's always relevant. But in this particular case, last week had so many important players. I do want to step through the fallout uh, with all of those guys and you know what their situations look like at this moment uh, as we uh, uh, are projecting forward. And then, of course, we will get to this week's uh, sell targets and buy targets um, as the podcast progresses. And we will talk about some deals that we might be interested in making this week. Hope everybody's doing um, well. All right, folks, let's just dive right in. Uh We're kind of taking a little bit of a review here of week six and that just enormous and burly trade market. I think there was a lot of mega deals, just blockbusters done uh, last week. So let's do a little week in review week six so we understand how this affects um, what we're doing moving forward and just also just learning more and more how the trade market works. Um, I think you can learn stuff by, you know, looking back and saying, okay, what did we do last week and how did that work out? I think you pick up kind of on the game that we're essentially playing every week here. Um, And then there's just a lot of players here that I think are still relevant. Um, We started off last week's sell side of the fantasy football trade market with Taysom Hill, who was the waiver wire darling of the week, coming off of like a 37-point fantasy performance. Um, We told you that at Roster Watch we were skeptical about – Really what his contributions could be on a consistent basis moving forward because the underlying data was pretty ugly for Taysom Hill. We recommended against a big waiver wire spend on Taysom Hill last week. So I said, you know what, let's put, let's put him on the sell side of the trade market. Um, I think he had enough uh, hype surrounding him last week that uh, he's a guy you could have maybe thrown into a deal and gotten something for. And if he did, I think he'd be great, you know, pretty happy because – what we saw is he came back down to earth, crashing back down to earth in week six. Taysom Hill did with a, or I mean, uh, with a week four, uh, week six with a four point performance, four point fantasy performance, which makes his median fantasy scoring on the season eight points for Taysom Hill. Um, you know, way more of kind of a that middling tight end, which is what you know people were all lathered up about was his tight end eligibility. Um, so there are some probably big weeks ahead for Taysom Hill still, but. I think we found out kind of who he really is. And um, if you were able to capitalize on that moment, you know, again, we want to stress so much of this is about being opportunistic. You know, these opportunities, that's part of why going back is important here. You can see the trends like these opportunities, they they don't always present themselves and sometimes they go away. <laughs> so you have to get the timing right with all of this. Uh, Gabriel Davis, uh, 
told you last week he was wide receiver 13 on the season with only five targets per game, and he was the wide receiver two on his team. That said, Gabriel Davis went six targets, three receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown on a 93% snap count um, in week six. He actually moved up to wide receiver 11. So I think, you know, we kind of just know Gabe Davis being Gabe Davis, still pretty low volume, you know, six targets, three receptions. That's still very middling. And I think those are numbers that that still keep you on the consideration side of selling Gabe Davis while he's at wide receiver 11, um, you know, living off of big plays and, you know, touchdowns, uh, very high calorie targets, high value targets, essentially. And, you know, it's still a question about how sustainable that is. Um, you know, that said, he did his thing last week, which is basically what he's been doing all season when he's been healthy. And uh, he's on a great offense with a great quarterback. So, you know, Gabe Davis, if you have him, you're happy. But I still think he's a guy that you may want to consider seeing if you can leverage into a better asset on the trade market. Tyler Lockett, he was wide receiver 12 on the season heading into last week in half-point PPR formats. Uh, He went for two receptions for 17 yards and two fantasy points in uh, week six. And his you know, ranking plummeted to wide receiver 22 um, on the season. Definitely coming back down to earth there for Tyler Lockett. Probably much more representative of really the type of player he is. So once again, you know, he was on, he was kind of on a heater, you know, last week when we talked about him. And if you didn't make the move last week, it's a lot harder this week. And you lost a lot of value. It's like you lost a lot of kind of lost them a lot of money on the stock market, you know, essentially in a week is the, with the way that that feels. Um, that said, I think wide receiver 22, you say, all right, I've, you know, I've still got like a, a decent flex here in Tyler Lockett. We know he has big upside. Uh, the point is you'll just need to wait until he gets on another streak or has another big game, and then you can um, reexamine uh, what possibilities are out there with Tyler Lockett selling him in your fantasy football league just so you don't have to live through these headaches. Uh, Jacoby Myers was wide receiver 11 on the season points per game in limited action. Um, but in action, that really corroborated, it really squared with what he did last year. So you felt pretty good about it. Um, he took a little dip from wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 16 over the course of the last week. He went four targets for still a respectable 60 yards. Jacoby Myers did. Um, that said, I think, you know, you, you see he already lost a little value on Jacoby Myers from last week to this week. Uh, it would have been ideal to try to move him last week. If you were interested in doing so, again, we'll remind you that not all of these guys are must-sells, and it, it really brings into focus this week, too. Like, not every week is a week that you don't have to be active on the trade market every week. Sometimes your circumstances don't dictate it. Sometimes the market doesn't dictate it. We're going to look at it every week because this gives us great intelligence across our fantasy football leagues over the course of the season. And there's always deals that can be made or, or circumstantial opportunities uh, that can be examined on a weekly basis in any given league. But, you know, not everybody's a must sell. Not every week is, uh, um, has to be a, you know, action packed on the trade market. Not everybody is a must buy, you know, most of this is based on opportunity uh, and circumstances. That said, I think you can realize now that, Moving Tyler Lockett and Jacoby Myers last week um, would have been a more optimal move. Devontae Smith uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we said last week he really felt like a player that was on fire 
but he was still only wide receiver 30 in points per game, half point PPR on the season. Uh, he actually moved up a little bit with, he got a touchdown. He got in the end zone last week. It was still five targets, 44 yards. He got the touchdown. That's part of being on the good offense and him being a good player, but still kind of a low volume affair for Devonte Smith. We know who he is that moved him up to wide receiver 25, which I think is, you know, we knew wide receiver 30, uh, you know, was, was, uh, kind of a red flag last week, but I think we also know like, you know, he'd been performing pretty well. So I think you can say pretty f- safely at this point on the season, Devonte Smith is like a low end, wide receiver two or a high-end wide receiver three with a lot of upside and maybe has some mobility to to move up there but um uh he's on a bye week now so he's kind of a guy you're just gonna have to sit tight with if you didn't make a move um last week there with Devonte smith but you know keep an eye on him uh he you know he's the kind of guy now that he's his he's actually put another good game out there. If it weren't for the buy this week, you would say he's still a guy you might be considered trying to quote unquote sell a bit high on. Uh, Tony Pollard, a recommended sell on the running back side of the market last week, six points in week six, six points for Tony Pollard. Um, he was out snapped on like a three to two ratio by Zeke. The touches were about even, but this is just what you're going to get. Um, he's the you know he's RB two on the team. I think we got Dak returning. That's the rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation. I think that's good for everybody. It's the number one matchup of the week this week against the Lions for the uh, Cowboys running game. So I think you feel pretty decent about Pollard and uh, Zeke this week. But um, you know they're interesting guys. How you know how can you really sell Pollard coming off of the six point performance last week? Probably not. Maybe you wait for him to pop this week in this great matchup and then you reconsider uh you know what to do with him. I think the fact is is Zeke's we'll get to Zeke in this podcast, but his action has been definitely limited this year, but I think in spurts you're seeing kind of what I saw at training camp. You know, he's he on occasion he's looking kind of kind of good out there and I I do think that getting Dak back is going to be a boon for Zeke. I think it's going to offer more just more touchdown opportunities, possibly even some increased targets. You know, we shall see. Um, But these Cowboys running backs are interesting guys to keep an eye on. Nonetheless, I think Tony Pollard last week, if you weren't able to capitalize on moving him, uh, maybe just play him this week, ride this week out, see what happens in this terrific matchup, and then uh, reassess his situation as a potential sell candidate for a more prestigious premier player in return in a combo deal at a future date. Jeff Wilson, San Francisco 49ers, recommended sell last week, week six. He'd had four double-digit fantasy games in a row. He was coming off the best game of his season. He had a great matchup against Atlanta. 49ers shit the bed. Jeff Wilson, his biggest play of the game was a fumble, and he got less than one fantasy point. He had .5 points in his week six performance, so... He's come crashing back down to earth, and if you didn't move him last week, I you know I don't nobody's thinking about the Eli Mitchell return yet, but I think you should be mindful of that. At some point, he will re-enter this equation. You know, I think Wilson's role will, in very 49ers like fashion, deteriorate into very much into a committee, or eventually, you know, Mitchell maybe can re re-establish himself as the number one. So. Nobody's thinking about all that yet, so I think you still got time to be opportunistic with Jeff Wilson. Um, 
last week would have been a great week to do something, but now I think you'll just have to kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, Raheem Mostert uh, recommended sell on his side of things last week. He had six points. You know, he's coming off a pretty good game in week five. Six points last week. He outtouched Chase Edmonds 15-4 to on a 3-2 to ratio on the snap count 60-40. Um, you know, I think it's going to be hard to sell most or coming off a six-point performance, but I think this is this is just what it's going to be. I, I really, he does apparently have the opportunity to really be the lead back, which is no surprise to us because we suggested it from training camp. But in the end, this is a Mike McDaniel, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell offense. We know that. The running backs are going to kind of ebb and flow, you know, with the contours of that offense over the course of the season. And, you know, the fact is most are, he's not going to ever be a great, like, you know, red goal line, short yardage, touchdown guy. So I think you're going to be lacking there. Um, you know, the receptions are not necessarily abundant for Mostert either. So, I, you know, I think if you if you roster him you were, and you, you, you made a great move drafting him and you've returned value and he's a guy you're fine with. But I think he's a guy that whenever the opportunity presents itself this season, you should be looking to uh, to capitalize on, on any momentum that Mostert has in the trade markets and, and try to get somebody back that's better that can help you win because Mostert ultimately is a guy that's going to be tough to really win with if you're depending on him. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, we thought last week was a good time to consider, you know, selling him. You know, we mentioned um, that he was going to have a pretty good opportunity uh, against the Browns last week with Damian Harris out and that he certainly was not a must-sell at all. And that really, if you'd looked at the data over the course of the season, he'd, he'd been the RB one all along in terms of basically usage and participation uh, for the Patriots. So it's kind of Johnny come lately on the narrative that he was seizing the role. And, you know, of course, a lot of this, this last week was um, uh, Damian Harris being absent, obviously contributed to the big numbers. So he was never a must sell, but you know, it was like kind of a guy like, let's keep an eye on what to do with them here because you know, his value is pretty, looking pretty high at this moment. And that really cemented itself with the actual performance to prove it last week. 23 points on 23 touches, two touchdowns for Ramondre Stevenson. You know, eventually you are going to have Harris reenter the picture, I think maybe sooner than later. So, again, you're happy if you roster Ramondre Stevenson, not a must sell. But I think you get another bite at the apple this week coming off that monster performance. I really think Ramondre Stevenson's a player that you can kind of go big game hunting with on the trade market this week, package him up with another player and go after one of the elite names, you know, in fantasy football. Um, Michael Carter. See, I told you guys, this was just a big, big week last week and really reviewing last week. It's given us the opportunity to, to go over a lot of data points for a lot of really kind of, you know, a lot of players that are relevant in fantasy. Michael Carter of the New York Jets, not so relevant anymore. We told you he was RB36 and falling, and you needed to move him on the back of his, I think it was two touchdowns in week five as you headed into week six. And that was probably going to be your best opportunity to do something with a maybe a less, you know, informed league mate who just needed a couple guys in. Uh, return uh, well, you know Michael Carter five points on seven touches in week six. 
He's got nothing from Brees Hall. I mean, it was a 49% snap count still, but I just don't think you can hang your hat on that. I really don't think anybody is at this point. So truth be told, if you weren't able to move Michael Carter last week, I think you're in a pinch. I had to drop him in a league where I have a short bench. Somebody's picked him up. Not the Brees Hall owner, uh, surprisingly. But I I couldn't lose sleep over that move, and I don't think you should either. One of our sweetest angels, Kenneth Walker, in Seattle, I mean, Alex is one nitpick, and I, I can agree with this, is he he could hit the hole with a little bit more, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He could hit the hole a little bit harder. He could hit the hole with a little bit more, I guess, intention. He could be more decisive when he hits the hole. But, God, you saw the electricity with Kenneth Walker. And we said, like, he's not a must-sell. You want to skew you really if you have Kenneth Walker, you want to see has what he has in store. But that said, there was already a lot of hype surrounding his situation, um, you know, uh, last week. And you know, I said guys like Jonathan Taylor were still on the trade market at that point. I said, man, if you could take a crack, you know, I think Walker's a dude you can do it with. Well, I mean, he he proved last week that he looks like he's going to be the real deal. Eighteen fantasy points. He looked. He had some runs that were just eye popping. You know, similar to what we saw on his college tape, so not necessarily surprising. But he'd been it'd been a quiet season for him, and he really hadn't been too good on the limited carries. He got these running backs, man, and a lot of them live and die with the volume. He got the 23 touches, which is very encouraging for Kenneth Walker because you're a little concerned that that could have been more of a committee uh, with Penny out for the season. But 23 touches, uh, 110 yards. 69% snap count. I think it was three targets, a touchdown. That's a big game for Kenneth Walker. You're feeling good if you've rostered him at this point. And the truth is, like, you know, I think he's still a guy. You can't buy him right now. Um, he's a hold. I mean, you're not, you really don't want to sell him. And then you start to ask yourself a question. If I do sell him, you know, how much, how much of a better player can I actually get in return? Like, Kenneth Walker is, he keeps this up. He's going to be on the top shelf the rest of the season, you know, we shall see, you know, before you get too much more information, sometimes you just want to make the move. But, um, so maybe there's still, you know, I guess in, if you're being fair minded about this, there is, if you're still not sure about Kenneth Walker, this is an unbelievable, if you thought you could sell high last week, you could sell even higher this week. And you could, you could probably get a boatload for him. If you're losing team and you need to fill a couple of spots and you're starting roster to be starting lineup to be more competitive every week, Kenneth Walker's value has probably risen to the point where you could get two solid players in return. And, you know, clearly his value is high enough that if you still circumstantially had the opportunity to pursue, you know, one of like the all-time big names in your league, you know, maybe like a Saquon Barkley or a, a Jonathan Taylor or, you know, a Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or something, you know, I think he's a guy you can use to get those dudes, but you know, the question is, is that just gonna ultimately be a lateral move? I mean, like where is Kenneth Value Walker's value headed? That's gonna be kind of up for you to decide, but um certainly we're feeling pretty good about that right now. And um really really was exciting to get to see him uh kind of pop his NFL cherry last week. Um a couple guys we weren't totally sure about last week what to do with. We said yeah, they could be buys, they could be sells, they could be holds. Travis Etienne, uh, he had 11.8 fantasy points in week six, 12 touches, two targets, 46% snap count, 
really a pretty even split with uh, James Robinson. Uh, still, he put up the better production. People are feeling good about Travis Etienne right now. I think it just depends on your league how good are they feeling, right? You know, we talked about it last week. You want to sell to people who value an asset more than you, and you want to purchase an asset from people who are distressed or, you know, unable or just simply don't value an asset as much as as you do. And and that could easily be like there's hype around ET. A lot of people are saying buy, buy, buy on ETN right now. He looks good. I like his role. But, you know, ultimately it still looks a lot like a split. Maybe he could pull away from Robinson. Maybe Robinson gasses a little bit coming off the injury. He looks so good at the beginning of the season. I tend to think this could still very easily be a hot hand situation in any given week and probably still a fairly even split. So if you have ETN, kudos to you. I think he's a fine player. He's on the rise. If you have a league mate that's just like super randy for Travis ETN, I have no problems considering doing a deal with him if you can get some guys you really like in return or or upgrade to a you know a, a more of an elite um commodity. JK Dobbins we thought he was pretty much in that same bucket last week. Like he's a guy you know he's there were some fa- self factors with Dobbins for sure, but you know there's also the allure of like what the opportunity might be in that offense for him as the season progresses. Um he had one and a half fantasy points last week. Kenyon Drake came in, did big, big work, had a big game. We have a, a DNP at practice for Dobbins this week on the books. Gus Edwards' return is sounding somewhat imminent. So, you know, this is one of these ones where, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. With just a little bit more information now, I, you know, I, I, he, I really do think J.K. Dobbins was probably more on the sell side of the market last week. It was kind of hard to gauge. Um, you know, this is where you have to use your best, um, you know, your, 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 your best rationale to try to, you know, figure these things out, your best judgment. Um, but, uh, you can see how a little bit of information can change things quite a bit in one week. And this is why we have to be kind of mindful of our rosters and of the trade market on a, you know, on a weekly basis. Uh, let's see here. All right. And then let's hop over to a, review of the buy side of the week six market again there was a lot of big name players here that i just think are worth talking about you know as much as we like to come on here and talk about the trade market a lot of the uh, benefit i think of this podcast is it it gives us a review kind of of the landscape of the league and a lot of relevant players and some interesting data on them and you know that's really probably one of the more compelling aspects anyway so i think it's okay if we go down this path um, on this particular podcast. Not, it's not a primrose path, though. This is a path to sanctuary right here on the Week 7 Tradecast, uh, rosterwatch.com Tradecast. I'm Byron Lambert, uh, bringing you the straight uh, chronic right now. Uh, we had Jonathan Taylor as your last opportunity to buy on him last week, and it looks like that's gone poof. Uh, he is almost certainly returning to the lineup, along with Naeem Hines this week. Uh, for the Colts. So if you acquired Jonathan Taylor over the last couple of weeks at our, I think, behest, is that is that, is that a proper word to use here? I'm not even quite sure. Um, at our recommendation, uh, then I, you know, kudos to you. I think that's a calculated risk that's always worth taking. If it doesn't work out, you sleep well at night. Chances are it's going to work out uh, quite, quite well. 
Um, if you didn't make a move, you're holding Jonathan Taylor at this point and curious to see what happens. Joe Mixon. Uh, I think he's he's been a guy we've been able to play this game with for a few weeks, up and down, up and down, buy and you know, kind of buy, and then we hadn't been. He's not a sell because he's getting so much volume and a good offense, but the performance hasn't really been tremendous on the bottom line. But he's been on our buy side, but every week hasn't been a buy because some weeks he's put a good week out there, and you know, uh, you know, we can't talk about everybody on this podcast. So when we narrow down the field. We try to look more at the guys that we can buy low on because that's that's kind of like, uh, you know, that's the um, the preferred you know strategy when we're splitting hairs between targets. Well, Joe Mixon returned with a pretty solid fantasy week this last week. Still nothing that's just totally blown his owner's hair back, um, but uh, I think he's kind of off the market or back to kind of copacetic status quo at this point. But a guy we'll want to watch because he's getting the volume. Um, I think he can heat up like he did last year down the stretch. I think the Bengals are just taking a little while to heat up um, right now. And uh, so keep an eye on him. But Joe Mixon, I think pretty much a hold this week after a solid performance last week. Aaron Jones, what to do with him? That's a real curious one. You know, we just said, you know, we didn't like the volume last week. I mean, there were some concerning issues with Aaron Jones for sure. Just the general offense in Green Bay, it's not prolific. The, the reduced workload for Aaron Jones, you know, but it's kind of like you're betting on his pedigree, right? At least over the long, on a, on a long trajectory, you're kind of long on Aaron Jones, as they might say, is the financial world. And, um, you know, I think he's more of a luxury guy to pick up because we're just not sure with him. And I'll tell you what, he came back and put up a, only a six-point game in week six. Things are getting kind of ugly for Aaron Jones managers at this point which i tend to think puts them in distress and ultimately makes him still a guy that you could be very interested in buying on and just it's speculative it's not a it's not a lock but you should be able to get a good deal on him at this point if you can't then it's not worth going hot and heavy after him that's for sure but if you can get a good deal on aaron jones i i think it's still like it's kind of a luxury move so you probably need to be a winning team you could do it but I mean, that starts to be a situation where if you've got a great team and a lot of assets and you're working the waiver wire well, you make a cheap move for Aaron Jones now while he's in the in the basement on in your team with a good roster, like all of a sudden six weeks from now, Aaron Jones is your flex. You know, one of your flex players. Even if it's not the Aaron Jones we've been become accustomed to, we know the upside's there, and I think you still feel great about a player like that. You know, in your flex, your RB three, and I think that's the kind of opportunity that's beginning uh, to present itself for winning owners if they have an interest in Aaron Jones. So I think you get, you know, talk about second bites at the apple. You got another one here at Jones. You might even be able to get him cheaper um, this week if you have an interest. DeAndre Swift, you know, he'd been kind of irrelevant for a while. I think people are getting sick and tired of his injury situation, even though he's flashed, you know, tremendously when he's in there. Um, you know, he's pushing to play now in week seven. It sounds like he's probably going to go. So I think that if he didn't buy on him in recent weeks, that's – he's probably off the market. But, you know, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. I think he could be on both sides of the market in the future because there's things to like about DeAndre Swift and there's things to be concerned about with DeAndre Swift. Najee Harris – we kind of said last week like his value was so low that what did you have to lose? 
Because, I, I mean, maybe it's just that you couldn't get a trade done for Najee Harris because his value is so low that his owners just are going to ride it out. They're not going to take the loss on him. Um, certainly not at all. We, we, you know, not a guy we were after aggressively, but a guy we were after, after opportunistically. It must like Aaron Jones at a cheaper price. Like if ultimately a good team somehow wound up stashing Najee Harris as some like flex for down the stretch, I think that's was very, very possible for something like that to happen with Najee Harris, um, given the situation and his value. And then I said, you know, like that's we can be interested in that, right? Well, he came back with, uh, let's see here. 12 fantasy points. I think it was 16 touches, three target. It was a four. I mean, let me let me double check here. I think I made a little bit of typo. Let's double check what Najee. So we're over on the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com where you guys, any of you guys can look into a lot of the data that I reference on this podcast for yourself. Najee Harris is 69% snap count. So that's pretty good. Week six, three targets, just you know that's that's really been a submarine to Najee's value as the targets this year. Sixteen touches, the volume. That's just not you know sixteen touches is 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 not acceptable volume for Najee Harris. Forty nine yards and the touchdown saved him. The touchdown saved him. How many touchdowns is he going to get in this offense with this kind of profile? I'm not. I'm simply not sure. I think Najee Harris. You know, I think he proved that if you got him for cheap, he's going to be a decent flex. I think depending on the circumstances of your league, he's the kind of guy that coming off of a, a game that's really not that great when you drill down into it, but the touchdown masks it as double-digit fantasy points. Like If you've been eager to move Najee Harris, like this is a week to consider it, right? When he's coming off of a game that at least, at least looks uh, respectable. Uh, James Conner. We thought last week you could buy pretty low on him, and it was worth looking at. I still think somewhere along the season he's going to end up being valuable. Um, but you know we can't chase these things too hard because sometimes it's just like the thing that never never comes to be, and you're like, what is it? A red herring? I think you know it's basically a, like a red herring is what as they say. And uh, he's a he's a he's a DNP this week, and he's going to be a game time decision. Uh, on the Thursday night game, uh, his value is in the toilet. So not a guy you can depend on. Probably a hard guy to sell at this point. But again, if you're a if you're a team that's got the luxury of being opportunistic here, I think purchasing on James Conner low. I mean, his value is pathetic right now. It's not a horrible idea if you can afford to stash him. Uh, I told you guys, week six was just a massive trade market. There, it, there's so many good players here. I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of doing this week in review because um, it really, really brings a lot of great players into focus. And we said last week, like, if you wanted a premier wide receiver in fantasy, there was no better week we'd ever seen to try to trade for him than, than last week. And so here we go. Jamar Chase. He was wide receiver 21 when we did this podcast last week. He had a 30-point monster. I think it was two touchdowns. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, he is now wide receiver seven on the season. Again, you know, you were never going to steal or buy super low on Jamar Chase, but just the fact that he was a, 
acquirable. Like that was a big deal. And I think you did probably get a discount on him if you moved him last week. So if you did that, you feel like a king. But once again, there's just an example of, you know, especially with these players like this, it's not a roller. Co- I mean, you only get a few opportunities with a guy like Jamar Chase to try to buy in on him. And so you've got to capitalize when they happen. Some of these guys, it's up and down all season. It's just this game you play all year of selling high or buying low on him. Jamar Chase, it's like you're going to get one shot at that this year. So if you didn't do it, next time you see something like that arise, maybe you'll act with a little bit more urgency. T. Higgins, he wasn't practicing heading into last week. Uh, We weren't thrilled with his targets on the season. But he was a 15-point-per-game guy, and he was like, he was a pretty solid fantasy asset, bottom line production last week. He ended up playing only eight points, but he did get 10 targets, which I'm not sure if that's an aberration for Higgins because that's not who he's been on the season. But boy, 10 targets can get you excited about T. Higgins. If he, He's the kind of guy, if, if he gets any increase in targets, it's a big deal in that offense. He's a high-value target um, guy. I'm not sure... There's a real call to action on T. Higgins in either direction this week, but you know I think he's a guy uh, you're probably not selling. I think he's a guy you could be slightly interested in buying this week. Uh, Tyreek Hill, forget about it. Wide receiver five when we did this podcast last week. Um, he'd had two out of his last three games, single-digit games. So I mean, he'd been great on the season, just total when you kind of zoomed out. But recent weeks hadn't been eye-popping, and there was all the – you know, uh, question marks around the quarterback situation in Miami. Uh, you know, we learned that we learned this last, so he was never again going to be a buy low, but maybe, maybe there was some small sliver of possibility. He was even available in your trade market last week. Um, if so, absolutely. That's not the case anymore. And what we've learned is like, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback in Miami. This is the Mike McDaniel, uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill triumvirate. It's their offense. And it's a million targets for those guys no matter what, especially Tyreek Hill. So he went gangbusters. 25 points last week. He, only 14% touchdown dependent Tyreek Hill is. I mean, it's just, he's he's actually got room to be wide receiver one on the season at this point. Um, wide receiver three points per game, half point PPR at this juncture. Jalen Waddle went for 15 points last week, um, and he stayed. He was at or he stayed at wide receiver nine. We said maybe you could buy low on him last week, but he had uh, two games less than five points. Was only getting 7.6 targets per game. Uh, same quarterback concerns that Tyreek Hill, um, but he was wide receiver nine last week. We said maybe you can poke around, sniff around on him. Um, he had a 15-point game, and he stays wide receiver nine. So I think that he's pretty much, you can forget about Jalen Waddle. Whoever rosters him loves it. Devontae Adams said, you know, look, he was heading into a bye last week, and there was the possibility of a suspension because there's criminal charges that were filed from shoving the camera guy in the football game. Um you know, again, sometimes we're looking for kind of almost artificial or manufactured buy low opportunities. Somebody's injured. Somebody's going into a buy. There's some uncertain uncertainty surrounding them, creating this almost manufactured moment to buy on somebody who otherwise 
you know, would, would not be available. And I think there was a little bit of, of that sentiment surrounding Adams last week. And it was at least worth seeing what was going on with him as he was heading into his bye. I mean, the Raiders were down. Adams might be suspended. The bye week was there. It's kind of ugly, you know, circumstances. Um, but again, these things go poof. So you got to act, right? You got to act. Um, you got to the, the work in the trademark is about being a proactive player. You got to put a little effort in, but that's what makes you a winner. Um, he was wide receiver four on the season points per game. So what a boon it would have been if you could have grabbed him because now the buy has come and gone. And it appears the latest news is that Devonte Adams may escape suspension altogether, but, but it's sounding probable that he'll escape suspension at least for this, the rest of this season. So I'm, Hearing Devonta Adams unlikely to face suspension this season for his actions, um, so again, you know, there's no leverage anymore. Now the Devonta Adams owner um, is feeling a big relief. AJ Brown was wide receiver 22 last week, had a 15 point game, and now he's wide receiver 15 heading into a bye. Just a tick under nine targets per game. You know, you don't love to see that. Um, you know, obviously still an awesome player in a good situation. I'm not sure if I'll tell you what, he's gonna fin he should finish higher than wide receiver 15. So he had a good week. He moved up, but maybe he's got to buy to neutralize that. And I think maybe his managers are still a little bit crestfallen based on the way the season started and recent production. So, you know, maybe AJ Brown, if somebody if there's a losing manager in your league that rosters AJ Brown. I wouldn't fault you for just poking around and seeing what's up with him this year. I'd bet my bottom dollar that he finishes higher than wide receiver 15 on the season. How much arbitrage is there at this point remains to be seen, but I I think he's got a lot of upside uh, beyond where he's at currently. C.D. Lamb was wide receiver 26 at 10 targets per game heading into last week. He had a 10-point fantasy game last week. It moved him up to wide receiver 23. He's got a juicy matchup against the Lions this week. I think people are fired up about Dak. And so hopefully, hopefully we'll get to really see, you know, the fantasy prospects and fortunes of CeeDee Lamb as they were kind of projected preseason. Once this team can kind of circle the wagons and get in a rhythm with Dak back in the next few weeks. You know, I think it's all systems go for CeeDee Lamb and, and probably your league mates know that. So Hopefully you buy, hopefully you were able to buy in on him last week because I think you're feeling good about him now. But um, that said, he's he still may have somewhat of a depressed value. A wide receiver 23 on the season. I expect CeeDee Lamb to finish a lot higher than that. Michael Pittman last week. I mean, last week was really an elite opportunity to trade for a good wide receiver. Michael Pittman at nine targets per game was wide receiver 28 on the season heading into last Week he had a twenty point one twenty one point you know outing and he shot up to wide receiver twelve on the season so the door has closed on Michael Pittman trade deals I don't think you're really that motivated to sell him I mean I guess you could consider selling him I don't you know I wouldn't blame you if you don't trust the Matt Ryan situation you know and, and then there's a little hype around Paris Campbell right now I tend to think that maybe Campbell is starting to arrive but I tend to think that 
it's a little bit of a mirage what happened because he was soaking up targets that probably Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines otherwise would have gotten. It is a good matchup, a tremendous matchup for Paris Campbell and for Michael Pittman this week. So an interesting situation. I tend to think Pittman, you just keep him at this point. Um, but after a week like last week, if you could sell Pittman, you know, in the in a proper deal, I, I wouldn't blame you. Um it might it may actually be smart. We shall see. Will he finish wide receiver twelve? I'm not so sure about that. You know, we shall see. Michael Thomas, um, he's just he's on he's like we were just blackballing him now from trade from the trade market. He was points per game was wide receiver ten on the season and very limited action and very touchdown dependent heading into last week. But you know he's out of sight, out of mind. Started to think, well, maybe opportunity here to get him for peanuts and he wouldn't be the worst stash but he's out again in week seven with a uh, foot this guy's never healthy a foot injury for wide receivers bad chris olave is the absolute man um i think you have to probably be honest with yourself that the touchdown regression was going to happen for michael thomas anyway so i think we remove him completely from all considerations and if you roster him um you know, it's an unfortunate situation because he's dead weight, at least for the moment. We shall see. And dead weight's really, really bad on your roster because it, it screws you up from being able to use your waiver wire, which is a, I know, a major a major problem. Um, but I think, you know, you, you, probably if I roster Thomas, I'll wait a little longer to see what's going on and cross my fingers that gets back soon. And if he does, he can get back to what we saw early in the season. But, boy, you're going to have to – you're going to have to really kind of take on a little risk to find all that out. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 49 on the season, heading into last week at 10 targets per game with zero touchdowns on the season. We hate his situation, but we just thought, you know, this is Deontay Johnson with 10 targets. There's no way he's going to finish wide receiver 49. And I still think he probably somehow will find a way not to. But there comes a point where you have to just read the writing on the wall. Six points, six fantasy points in week six on only seven targets for Deontay, Deontay Johnson. This thing's turning into a pick em. at least recently in terms of target share with the other guys, Claypool and Pickens. So I think if you got Deontay Johnson, like, again, that's unfortunate. You're kind of stuck. Wait for him to have a big week and then try to sell him. You know, and again, if it's to, depending on the dynamics in your league, if somebody wanted to give me Deontay Johnson for peanuts, you know, or I was trying to liquidate. I needed to liquidate one of my good players to fill out some roster spots to be more competitive. And I needed two or three guys in return for one of my big name guys. I think Deontay Johnson falls into that bucket. So I could still see him kind of going. He could still be a buy this week. I think that if he has a good week or two moving forward, he may very well uh, be on a future sell side in the fantasy football uh, trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Uh, let's see here. Jerry Judy was at wide receiver 47 heading into last week on 5.8 targets per game. He had only seven points on seven targets. The Broncos looked like a disaster. I mean, at some point, if you keep just thinking it's, you know, waiting for something to happen, like next thing you know, you've just tricked yourself into this like trap where it never happens. Right. And so again, at some point you have to just say like, is this what it is? Uh, it very well may be with Judy. It's a very looks very dysfunctional. Um, and Denver, and he's just not getting the target volume. So I'm not. 
I think I treat him like Deontay Johnson. I'm not going out of my way for Judy. If he has a good game, I might consider selling him high if I can. Um, if I got him in a throw in in return on a deal, I don't hate it because I think he can live as a flex or a high value guy on your bench and, and, and maybe he can pop. I think the upside's there. And, you know, he's, he's a respectable asset that you can you know, live with, but um, you're going to have to have some, you know, thoughtful considerations there. Uh, Rashad Bateman was a guy we thought you could buy for peanuts on last week. Not sure how interested we are in him. Not a great profile, um, but he is, you know, he should be the wide receiver one. And obviously he's the number two target behind Mark Andrews, kind of living on the big plays. He's returning this week. So I think if you weren't able to buy in on him previously, you probably can't now. And the same with Keenan Allen. It looks like he is going to be back this week. So I'd say the, uh, you know, the trade buy low window on Keenan Allen has closed shut heading into week seven. And, you know, I actually think Keenan Allen's going to make a big difference in this Chargers offense. So uh, we shall see. I think if you were able to get in low on him in recent weeks, um, you know, it could, it could turn out to be uh, a good idea. All right, folks, let's continue on here. That's, we really covered a lot of players from last week that I think are still relevant this week. And as you notice, some of them are still guys that very much are in play. We recommended some of these guys are still buys. Some of them are still sells. Some of them are guys that could be going either way. So I think we covered a lot of players that are still um, relevant this week. Also, a lot of players that just are important uh, that we understand what's going on with them. And we've kind of learned also on the timing of these deals, kind of looking back what we did you know, right, what we did wrong and how things kind of uh, manifested over the course of the last week with these guys. So a lot of fun talk there, but a lot of important fantasy players. Let's turn the page now uh, and put the crosshairs right on the uh, players that I have in mind that are, you know, uh, different players. We have some, we wanted to put some, obviously, some unique players in uh, for the week seven trade market. So let's dive uh, right into that. We'll get to the sell side of the week seven fantasy football trade market. And the unique uh, assets that have come into focus this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's begin with Brendan Ayuk, wide receiver of the San Francisco 49ers. He had 24 points on 11 targets last week, got in the end zone, only 6.33 targets per game. In the end, you know, uh, he's competing. Obviously, he's behind Debo in the pecking order. I think the Jimmy Garoppolo passing offense is not one that you can really be too bought into. You still got George Kittle there, not doing what we, you know, used to th- become accustomed to him doing, but he's still there. You could argue he, he's, you know, he's the number two. Um, and I think we have a pretty good sample size on Brandon Ayuk to know, like, yeah, we draft him year after year, thinking he could break out. And some of it may be circumstantial that he doesn't, you know, a lack of targets. It's not really an offense suited for a high flying passing attack. I think those are all things fair to say, but you know, I think he probably has a hand in it too. We kind of know what type of player is. I'd say Brandon Ayuk really, really kind of a flex player every week that, you know, a decent flex, but you're not, he's not a lock to return value every single week. So I think it is a lock to try to capitalize on a big performance by Brandon Ayuk in week six as we head into week seven. If I roster Brandon Ayuk, like I'm I'm definitely trying to see if I can move him for a better play in a deal for a better player uh this week. Juju Smith Schuster, 
it couldn't be a better example of a sell um, this week. I actually think, you know, we say not all these guys are must-sells. A lot of times they're just sells or consider selling or see what's that going on in your league. Well, Juju's a must-sell. He's a sell right now. Juju Smith-Schuster, a sell now on the Week 7 trade market. That is a mandate. First good game of the season for Juju Smith-Schuster. Only five targets, a distant number two on the target totem pole to Travis Kelsey's 10 targets last week. Um, We really know it's Kelsey and then everybody else. There was a slew of other guys on the Chiefs roster that had three and four targets in week six. So, you know, the fact that Juju got five and out-targeted some other guys by, you know, it's a carousel. It's a revolving door at the kind of who's going to produce at the receiver position. Uh, with With the Chiefs, the thing is people still have this, like, Unirrationally positive bias about Juju, especially heading into this season. Um, I think you try to capitalize on all of that right now. 6.67 targets per game, just not enough for Juju Smith Schuster. Gets a tough matchup against San Francisco's secondary this week, and then it's a bye week. Wide receiver 36 on the season, points per game, half point PPR. Juju Smith Schuster, sell him right now in your fantasy football league. Chase Claypool. A very underwhelming fantasy player in recent years after, you know, a really promising, you know, at least flashes in his rookie campaign. Uh, seven targets, 96 yards, and a touchdown in week six for Chase Claypool. He always just feels like dead weight on your roster, really. And, you know, you're really, he's a guy that you're kind of always looking for an opportunity. When can I, when can I trade this guy? and try to get somebody that I trust more, a better player in return. Well, it it doesn't really happen all the time with Chase Claypool, so I think it's very important that you attempt to trade Chase Claypool this week, uh, coming off of a a, a nice fantasy game. Still only six targets per game, seven targets last week. It's not enough. It's a bad quarterback situation. It's really a pick between the Pittsburgh wide receivers right now on a weekly basis, so it's kind of like a game of roulette, and uh, and the payouts aren't that great, so I wouldn't stick around uh, and 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 play that game too much longer with Chase Claypool. Sell him all you can. He's ultimately dead weight on your roster. Move on from Chase Claypool this week. Mike Gesicki, tight end, Dolphins. Twenty-two points in week six. Twenty-two fantasy points. Um, he had a twelve-point game in week two. Uh, but all the other games this season have been underwhelming, less than four fantasy points. Uh, four out of six games performances on the season for Mike Gesicki have been uh, totally unworthy from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, again, we were at Dolphins training camp for two days back in August. And one of the really interesting things Mike McDaniel said is he said, you guys know me like I had George Kittle in San Francisco and he had like a legendary historic like all-time, you know, first half receptions and yardage in a game for a tight end. And he's like, and then he did nothing in the second half. And then like, he had like two catches the next week. So he said, you guys know me. Um, It's very kind of spotty, essentially. You know, my tight end production comes in waves. It's not, he was basically signaling to the fantasy community, like you can't depend on tight end production in my offense. And that's been the case with Kasiki. You know, what can you get for him? You know, you're not going to, 
get anything major for Mike Gasicki, but you know, he's a guy that some people were hopeful for, drafted him late, like thought he could be kind of good. Maybe they're hopeful about a tour return, kind of liking what they see in this Dolphins offense. Um I think Mike Gasicki is a guy that you're not going to want to play at tight end uh, the rest of the season. It's going to be a mostly disappointment. So if you can move on from him this week, I certainly would consider it. Um, let's see a couple more guys here that kind of like Dobbins and ET and I'm not sure what to do with them. It makes me think they're, they're probably a hold, you know, ultimately, because I think there's dynamic forces working in both directions, acting on both of these players at this moment. Ultimately that usually creates an, a hold situation. I think kind of at large globally across leagues, but you know, I wonder is Mike Williams this week's keep? Because you would look at it and you'd say, man, he went against Patrick Sertan and got pretty much shut down in week six. And you would say, well, this is a chance to buy low on Mike Williams, potentially. But now you have Keenan Allen returning. So I think that's a completely mitigating factor. And all of a sudden, you know, what do you have in Mike Williams? Can you sell him off the low performance? No. Can you buy him off the low performance? Maybe, but how much, how really, how interested are you in, in Mike Williams with a Keenan Allen return? We've seen an emergence of a Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett. You know, maybe if you have a guy who's, who is in your league who rosters Mike Williams, he's worried about the Keenan Allen return, and he acknowledges the puny fantasy production last week. If you could get a cheap deal on Mike Williams, I'd consider I'd consider I'd consider buying him. I really would. Um but I think ultimately he's going to be a hold and most people are just going to accept that he's probably going to be like a you know, maybe like a Devontae Smith down there in that like low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three territory with upside. Not what you're hoping for out of Mike Williams. And maybe he's a guy that if let's see what happens and if if that does in fact turn out to be who he becomes, maybe when he's one of these guys that when he puts a big week up based on his name value, we you know, we put him back on the sell side of the market. We'll have to see with Mike Williams moving forward. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott with Dallas. I think he's an interesting one. I initially had him on the sell side of the market marginally. I think he's pretty much kind of like a hold kind of guy because it's unclear if he's a sell or a buy. Some of this will be circumstantial in your um, league, that's for sure. Um, uh, but Zeke Elliott, you know, 60% snap count guy. It's a 3-2 to two with Pollard. He's getting 40% snap count. 15-point performance, nothing really to write home about, especially for Zeke. But that was his best performance of the season this last week. Uh, Only one other double-digit game on the season for Zeke. So it's been pretty, you know, pretty pretty, uh, feeble fantasy, you know, performance for Zeke so far in the season. But we do have a DAC return, which I think makes a difference. He's getting almost 17 touches a game. I think... It's decent. You know, it's decent. Um, he's got the number one matchup in all of fantasy this week against Detroit. So it makes me think maybe, do you, you know, you probably hold him and play him this week. Or, you know, maybe I think it's going to be hard to buy him this week. Probably hard to buy him because of the DAC return, the 15 points last week in the juicy matchup. But that said, if people are down on him, I could see there being a case to maybe buy on Zeke. 
um, I could see there being a case to maybe sell on him while people are maybe excited about the matchup and the Dak return and the 15-point game uh, last week. I could see a case for holding Zeke and kind of just seeing what happens. So ultimately, I think he's a guy that's in play this week. Which direction? Um, I think it's unclear. What is clear to me, though, is at 1.33 targets per game for Zeke. Um, That is something we are going to really uh, want to see to improve. Speaking of improving, Oh, the trash man. His his life circumstances have improved so much in recent years. He has so much gratitude for Roster Watch Nation single-handedly bringing him out of poverty and despair uh, to a, a life now that, a working life now that he takes pride in. And the trash man has, has, has decided um, that for once in his life, he wants to give back. He he wants to actually give some of his money away to Roster Watch Nation every week of the season moving forward on a Sunday night football feature, a Sunday night football squares pool feature for Roster Watch Nation as a show of gratitude, a thank you, a way to pay them back for all of their support for um for for you know for really improving the quality of his life. So Guys, if you would like to join this week's free entry, uh, win Trash Man's Money feature at rosterwatch.com. It's a really fun uh, squares pool, just like the Super Bowl squares pools you've played in in past years. Um, We're going to be doing it for every game of the season, Sunday night football, every Sunday night football game of the season, a featured primetime game for all of Roster Watch Nation to join me, the Trash Man, uh, Alex, in and it's all free entry and we give away $125 in prizes every week. Uh, the winners of quarters one through three get $25 each, and the quarter, uh, the fourth quarter final square winning square uh, is awarded $50. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're having a great time. And if you'd like to join this week's Win the Trash Man's Money Sunday Night Football uh, feature squares pool, uh, you can find the link on the ticker at rosterwatch.com. Just simply click it from your mobile device, or of course you can go. Uh, to our Twitter, at Rosterwatch, and you'll find the invite uh, pinned in a tweet at the top of our Twitter feed, at Rosterwatch. We'd love to see you in the uh, Squares uh, pool um, this Sunday evening. It should be a good game. I think it's Miami and uh, Pittsburgh. All right, folks, let's jog over to the Week 7 buy uh, buy side of the fantasy football trade market uh, before I got to jog out of here. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a thinner week, in all honesty, than than some other weeks. But uh, this, we got to know what's going on in our leagues. Uh, we're always got to try to be opportunistic. This may be your week. You know, these may be guys that are in play with your situation. Uh, Cortland Sutton, two games in a row, down games for Cortland Sutton. We alluded to the bad dynamics in Denver right now when we were speaking about Jerry Judy previously a few minutes ago. Week six was especially bad for Cortland Sutton. That said, he got a hundred percent snap count. He's getting more than eight targets per game, and he's only scored one touchdown, which I think will, um, you know, will that arc will bend back in his direction um, as we move forward. So actually, beat Cortland Sutton. I'm down. You know, Jerry Judy. I'm not not thrilled about either of these guys, but you know. Cortland Sutton, you know, he's looked like the number one, and he's wide receiver 29 on the season. I think it's a speculative bet. He's not a must-buy. 
but I think if you can try, you know, I, we're, a lot of people are going to try to talk themselves into at some point this Denver offense is going to heat up. Again, that might be a total mirage and a complete, you know, uh, uh, red herring, you know. That might, it might be uh, like going snipe hunting. I don't know if your friends ever made you go snipe hunting out in the country when you were growing up, but uh, it's kind of a fruitless effort um, not, <laughs> nonetheless. And that may be the case with Cortland Sutton. That said, I think wide receiver 29 off two bad weeks and an ugly situation in Denver. The dynamic could be that he could be had for really, really cheap. And I think it's a calculated acquisition uh, to maybe pursue Cortland Sutton this week. Mike Evans with Tampa Bay. This is another one like, he may just be a hold. I'm not sure how bullish I am on buying Mike Evans. Sounds like Julio's going to return this week. It's only 6.6 targets per game for Mike Evans. That's what scares me the most. Coming off an ugly loss against Pittsburgh in week six. Um, he is wide receiver 14 on the season, though. Points per game. Three out of five of his games on the season. Um, he was suspended for the one, but he's played five games. Three of those were like, Pretty good, respectable fantasy performances. He's shown a good floor even in the weeks where he hasn't performed. It's still been like, you know, six, seven points, which is a disappointment, but it's it's a lot different than getting like goose egged by a, by a player. Uh, 90% snap count the last couple of weeks, even though that's pretty much been, it's kind of been up and down all season uh, for Mike Evans. You know, I don't know how the owner feels about him in your league. I saw some movement on Mike Evans in one of my leagues, so it you know kind of informed me. I think he is he's in play, um, and I lean towards if I can get a deal on Mike Evans, trading for him. But I think he's a probably should be treated as a wide receiver too on on your roster. And you know, if you on the opposite side of this, if uh, you know, I don't think you can really sell him off the you know kind of a, a down game this last week. But if uh, if you're if you're concerned about some of these underlying data points with Mike Evans, maybe when he has a big game, you consider turning the tables and um, shopping uh, Mike Evans in the future. I got to keep an eye on. I think this week he has a he has a touch of buy low appeal. Uh, DK Metcalf. 8.33 targets per game, wide receiver 27 on the season. Again, surprising. Like Devontae Smith, it just feels like they've been better than that. Uh, less than five points in week six. He's been basically a 50-50 player in terms of his marginal outings to his outings where he's uh, kind of busted. Uh, I'm sorry, it's been a marginal kind of 50-50 split between DK Metcalf busting and having above average games. And he's not had any mega monsters this season, though the potential has been there because there's been some missed opportunities on big plays and touchdowns for DK Metcalf that I think he usually would have capitalized on. He's mostly been an 85 to 90% snap count guy on the season. I think everybody knows like the Geno Smith thing. Seattle's one of the like great stories of the NFL so far this season, you know, how well they're playing, right? So, um, if you have an owner who's kind of apathetic or maybe a slightly down on DK Metcalf off of a poor performance last week, again, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect lock, but I take my chances acquiring DK Metcalf. I think good days are ahead um, for him this season. That's for sure. Another one, again, we talk about being opportunistic, especially maybe in a thinner week like this where the Trade targets aren't as clear. We get to get a little creative, right? Well, this is when we look to these artificial and manufactured 
uh, moments to buy, folks. And we got a couple here on, you know, big name players. Uh, Darren Waller at the tight end position. He's a DNP again this week. He missed week five. Um, he had a bye last week. So you're looking at like three weeks out and he's really only had one notable fantasy performance on the season. It's been a bad season for Darren Waller. Unclear, you know, if he'll return even next week at this point, somebody to keep a close eye on, but with the tight end position, as this is what we said about Kyle Pitts a few weeks ago, like if you can buy on a guy like this, where there's value in the basement, what do you really have to lose? Because the tight end position is so really ugly behind the top shelf guys anyways is so uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, middling, you know, ho-hum. I think it's a calculated thing. Some, you know, we said trade, trade Gesicki is on the sell side of the week seven market. Maybe you could take Gesicki and, you know, somehow him and maybe one other player, marginal player, maybe nobody else and see if you get Waller. Stash on your bench from an owner who can't, who needs a good, who needs a tight end this weekend, just can't absorb any more nonsense out of Darren Waller on this season. Cordero Patterson, no buy until week 14. He was on IR, I think, for four weeks, at least four weeks. That's it's a minimum of four weeks. Um, he's already missed a couple of games, so it's unclear how soon Patterson is to returning, but it could be sooner than later. And he's an awesome fan, you know, granted they may spell him a little more when he comes back in off the injury. Cause I think that was always the intention that said he's, he, we, we all know. I mean, I don't even need to really, you know, be the dead horse. Cordero Patterson's an awesome fantasy player, an awesome football player. These last few seasons, he's like a, a real, a very, very Im- Im- impactful fantasy player for, for teams. Um, so I think if you can start sniffing around getting a deal on Cordero Patterson right now and stashing him, especially if you're a winning team, like that makes a ton of sense because he could be, you know, he could be a really, really explosive weapon as maybe like a flex player down the stretch for you. And then another one that I might mention here, I don't, we're not going out of our way for this guy, but it's kind of the opposite side of the Ramondre Stevenson talk. Like, Damien Harris, if you need a player, you might just check his status. Or if you're looking to stash somebody, like, what's his upside? It's been capped because it's such a split with Stevenson. That said, like, he was fantasy relevant. And he's returning fantasy value, even in a split with Stevenson. There's been enough to go around there. He's just a flex. But I think he will be, in fact, a flex when he returns. One that you can play. And I think at this point, you know, he's it's he missed last week. It looks like Stevenson has cucked him. Unclear if he's back this week. I think his value is in the basement. Uh, so it may create an opportunity. Um, you know, it may create an opportunity to examine what's going on with Damian Harris in your fantasy football league. All right, folks, that's a wrap for week seven. Uh, we wish you happy trading in all your fantasy football leagues. And until next time, Roster Watch Nation, be well. We got to What's 
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.